This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Tyler Kern, joined as always by the man himself, Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, welcome. How are you doing, man? Hey, buddy. I'm doing well. Um, up, up and at it this morning, as as we were talking a while ago. I'm on a different time zone than you are, which is not uncommon. But I'm the on the other side of your time zone, which is uncommon. Um, so, <laughs> having uh, having a good morning. Looking forward to uh, this discussion because I've, I've learned so much lately about what this gentleman's doing, and really excited to uh, hopefully share the message with all of our 26 million listeners. That's right. Uh, get get the word out. So going to be a good one. Looking forward to it. Well, you are on a different uh, time zone than me today, Greg. And, you know, that's a that's a weird thing. But, hey, we have a fantastic guest with us today with a ton of really cool stuff to promote. Um, his name is Nick Kosick, and he is uh, the author of a book called Working Class, Making the Trades Cool Again. He has a TV program. He has a blog. He has a website, all this sort of stuff. So we are thrilled to welcome to the program Nick Kosick. Nick, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate you guys taking the time and having me on board. Well, Nick, it, it's it's our pleasure for sure. Um, you know, as we tend to focus on people and relationships and uh, how all that stuff inter, interacts in our world and our day to day and our work and our home and all kind of becomes that jellyfish of, of stuff. Um, you and I found each other. I don't even remember how at this point, but it was definitely all online. I do know that because we've never met in person. Um, but uh, just really latched on to your message that you're uh, out promoting because it, it's certainly in, in alignment with what I'll try to do day to day and talking about skilled trades, talking about people, talking about education. Uh, and the title of your book sums that up. So why don't you give us just a little quick kickoff of you and why and how and, and where? Well, um, you know, I came up, uh, I started in the trades. I went to a trade school, HVAC. You know, I started in this business as a, you know, driving a service truck. And, uh, you know, life is what it is. And, and things changed along the way. And basically, I've been, uh, for well over 30 years, been in the construction leadership uh, in the HVAC and, and prime general contracting world. And, you know, I found that we all kind of get together and we talk about how there's nobody out there to do the work and how the trades are dwindling away and nobody's there to replace the guys retiring and, and all of those things. Yet we don't really know what to do about it. And it turns out that we really don't end up doing anything about it. And um, I got an opportunity to kind of get involved and help try to make a difference. And, uh, so we started doing some things, uh, started out as uh, I was just going to consult for a network in California on they were going to do a show about the trades. Um, and then it kind of morphed to my own show, to a book, to a nonprofit, to uh, to doing a, as much as we can do to just bring awareness to just, you know, get these young people to understand there is an option out there. We don't all have to go to college and be something. We can actually, you know, buck the system and be what we want to be and go into the trades and do something cool. Well, you know, that people that listen to this podcast on a, on a fairly regular basis will tell you that I'm an advocate of that whole mindset, uh, 
short of having a book, having a TV show. I'm, I'm just like you. It's all that cool stuff. I'm, I'm out here, you know, grinding away. Uh, market scale has been so helpful to me uh, being able to get the message out a little bit. And uh, they do a, they do a fabulous job. But, you know, I think when you go to having a TV show, uh, a series as a, as it yours is, and the book, I mean, it really enables you to talk to obviously a much larger audience and, uh, you know, perpetuate the, the mindset of what you just said, you know, college isn't for everyone. Thank God there are colleges because we need highly educated people, uh, in certain fields and we need highly educated people that understand like, uh, mechanical and electrical and plumbing systems, you know, and I, I equate them. People probably think I'm wacky, but, you know, plumbing a human body as a doctor learns to do and plumbing a office building are not that dissimilar in that, you know, you got to make sure all your connection points are right. And you've got to make sure that your system's flowing and, you know, a eight year doctorate in gastrointestinal or whatever you want to call it, it requires the same effort in the field to become a master at plumbing. You know, it, it's all about the, the, the two parts, which is the theory and then the hands-on part. And, um, uh, I think what I've been able to to understand from your platforms, plural, multiple platforms, you know, it's a matter of diving in, find out what you're passionate about and then go for it. And, you know, I, I was fortunate to get to do that in the HVAC world, uh, but there's so many freaking opportunities. And the more people that I get to chat with, um, I'm finding out they simply are unaware of these crazy occupations that you and I are familiar with uh, just from a lack of exposure. So uh, I applaud what you guys are doing uh, in the exposure piece, because, you know, uh, you and I were talking before Tyler got here. And uh, as far as how people consume that information, uh, you know, network TV versus YouTube uh Understanding the dynamics of all that, or A, that is super cool to me, just the, the science behind all that. But being able to get your word out is, is really important. So um, first of all, I, I mean, I want to just say thank you for doing it. Uh, it it's, it's such a need. And um, we're lucky to have folks like you out there swinging a machete. So thank you. Well, I appreciate it. And right back at you. But I mean, some of the things you, you touch on are, are just so, so true and, and, and profound and simple at the same time. You know, we were I, I was a product of the 80s. I was in high school in the 80s. And all we ever heard was go to college, go to college, go to college, get a great job and, and you know, make something of yourself. And, and we all we all listened and we all did it, it seems like. And now we have this this entire industry of managers, but there's nobody to manage. There's nobody out there doing the work. We thought we could outsource it all. And, and we outsmarted ourselves to the point where now we're finding ourselves uh, in, in peril. I mean, quite honestly, we, we really have a, an epidemic of skilled trades gap. And, and the thing is, when, when you think of skilled trades, when you hear that word, you think of plumbers, you think of electricians, carpenters, all of the the traditional skilled trades. But 
like what we do with the show and, and stuff is we try to expand it beyond that because skilled trades are more than just that. Because a lot of these kids, to your point, they don't know what they don't know. And if they're not being told, hey, you can go into these skilled trades, then they don't know because they just don't see it. But skilled trades are more than than that. Um, you know, we did an episode on a whiskey distiller. Um, we did one on a glass blower, um, you know, spray foam applicator. We're, we're getting ready to do one on a... Uh, we did the wraps, the uh, the car wraps. Yeah. You know, those are those are all trades. Those are all things that uh, you maybe don't think about, and these kids don't think about. You know, you might have a kid that says, "Man, I'm really into cars, but I don't want to be an auto mechanic." Right. Well, there's about a million other things they could do that still have to do with cars. Um, we try to, you know, I want to do one on tattoo artists. I mean, they apprentice and they go through the same process of learning their trade that a plumber goes through. But people don't think about those as trades sometimes because they think about them as art or something different. So, you know, we want to show everybody that it's bigger than just the building trades or the manufacturing trades, that there's so much out there. That's well said. I did see your, your I think it was on LinkedIn. I saw you had a, a piece up there about the tattoo world and, you know, that really made me think about some of those alternative jobs that people simply don't think about, you know, whether it be getting their hair cut or whatever. I mean, yeah. it takes people that know how to do that stuff. And obviously, if you look at my head, I don't need a good uh, stylist. But, you know, th those are jobs that pay well, that give people freedom, give people independence make a great life, you know, all the stuff that you, you mentioned, you know, being in school in the eighties, I got out of high school in 1982. So I was a product of that same, you know, culture of hearing, go to college, you know, get it, get a degree kind of deal. But, uh, you know, fortunate for me, I grew up in a blue collar house and, uh, you know, I was exposed to it early, but simply put, people don't know when, when they're, check engine light comes on all they know is i got to go to the auto dealer after that after they pull through the bay and you know the lady or, or guy takes their information and the car goes away that's it that's the car getting repaired to them as opposed to all of the inner workings of understanding what happens behind the magic curtain at the car dealer um so i, I think that the exposure to the multi-disciplines that you're doing is it's really cool. And, you know, I'm out, I'm in California, as I told you guys earlier, and the uh, tattoo artistry business here is booming because, uh, man, I've seen some beautiful, you know, canvases on people's arms and what have you out here is booming, uh, probably more so than on the East Coast. But uh, anyway, separate, separate conversation that Tyler and I can have and plan our next vacation. <laughs> next, but, um, no, I, you know, I, I'm just so uh, I'm, I'm feel grateful right now that there are people that are passionate about sharing this message. And you're one of them. When I look, you know, online and, and, and I see the people that are out there swinging for the fences. And I mean, let's be honest, you're, you, you, you're not a young dude anymore. You know, you're, you're seasoned. You've been there and you've done that. We've talked off, off 
record about it, of what we're doing and why we're doing it. But we're doing this for the benefit of society, not for personal gain. You know, I mean, your your uh, your work that you do day to day. You know, I, I see you're in your office right now. You know, that's what you do to pay the bills. But what you do is your passion, you know, is, is the stuff you do on your off time, which, you know, we're, we're doing now. I just I, I'm very humbled by the fact that people care enough to do that. And you're one of them. So um, I am really curious, too. And I know I cut you off. I can tell you're. But see, at my age, if I don't say this, I have to I have to write it down. I'm not writing. So uh, don't worry. I'm right there with you. What what um, how did the whole thing with with uh, the TV program and the book, how did that start? You know, like how did people know to come to you? You mentioned originally it was going to be a consultation role. How did you go from consultant to, you know, having having your own show? I mean, what does that look like? Well, um, it's like explaining evolution. I mean, it just kind of happened. So I, I was, and I don't even know how I met, uh, the guy's name is Tom Julian. He, he's the, the president of Jewel TV. And, um, he wanted to do a show that highlighted the trades and he had a, uh, he had a great young lady, um, Shannon Aaronmore as the host of the show. And he wanted to bring me in to kind of help, um, just, he didn't know anything about it. Gotcha. So he, he just wanted some some outside help on it. So um, we got together and we started working on it. And, uh, you know, it, it just kind of made sense that I started producing the show. And then it somehow went from I was producing that to, hey, let's do another show that was similar but a little different. I think that show kind of went um, – kind of went a direction that he didn't want to go. Uh, it still is an awesome show. And uh, if I, I'm, I'm working with Shannon right now to see if I can get permission to actually share her episodes on my YouTube channel with, with our show, but he wanted to kind of go a different way and, and have kind of two different sides of the, of the story, so to speak. Hers were very traditional type trades and, uh, you know, with my show, like I said, we get at, we get out of that traditional role. We look at trades that are just weird that you wouldn't think about, but they're still trades. So um, that kind of went that direction. And then I had so I had published a book, um, gosh, 25, 30 years ago and 20, probably 25 years ago. And then. I had started to publishing another book about the trades and I never really finished it. And this just seemed like the perfect timing and platform to finish that book and publish it uh, in conjunction with the show. And, um, you know, once, once you do that, it just kind of, if, if you got a good message, it just, it, people latch on and it takes off and, and it resonates with people. And, uh, you know, it started rolling. And to your point, you know, we don't do this to make any money. I mean, I, I, this is primarily self-funded. We did we did make the organization a nonprofit so that we could help reach some of our goals. Um, we set some pretty lofty goals. We want to give 10,000 books to high school kids because they're not going to buy books. Right. So we figured the way to get it to them is to give it to them. 
Um, we want to, uh, I want to get out and speak to a thousand kids a year that are minority and women because those are vastly underserved in the skilled trades. And then the, uh, the third thing is we want to be able to make uh, 12 episodes a year that are classroom friendly. In other words, they're, they're timed well. When you do it with the network TV, you've got commercials and all of that stuff that's in there. And it's not really, it ends up being a little bit longer and you have all these commercials and starts and stops. We want to do shows that have a sponsor in the beginning. Someone helps sponsor it. And then we do the, the episode that highlights the trade. And that way they can be utilized in a classroom setting of... There's time to talk about it before you show it, and then there's time to talk about it afterwards so that you can have teaching as well as exposing them to these these different trades. And, in a, you know, in a classroom, you could just grab an episode or two and watch them and talk about them, and then you move on. So that that all takes a little bit of money. So that's why we turned it into a nonprofit. So hopefully we could get some help from people. Very cool. Well, I think you know this, but uh, to reiterate, maybe I didn't tell you, but two weeks ago, I hosted a group of 45 people uh, for my day job at Service Logic. We, we got all of our safety professionals together, held a class there, and uh, the books I purchased from you, I gave out to everyone at the, at the uh, meeting as, as part of their swag bag. And, you know, I said, if you will, you know, read the book and share the book and buy the book and give some more copies away. Um, so when you hit that, you know, when, when you hit the New York times list, you can always look back at, at Greg as the catalyst, you know, for really, really turning you're the, the tide. That, you're the one that kicked it all off. <laughs> now, it, it was uh, the, the folks that I was able to talk to or have been able to talk to post meeting, uh, really loved the book. They thought it was a good message and uh, they were going to get out and share. So, um, you know, hope, but, but that's what it takes, Nick. You know, I, I've said it so many times, you know, when people say, and you, you said it in, when you were opening your, your piece here, everybody sits around bitching about the fact they can't find help. Well, it's not going to find you, you know, you got to get out and be uh, a river guide taught me this one time. If you're whitewater rafting and you fall out of the boat, you have to participate in your own rescue. So right. don't just sit there and bob in the stream, you know, get in the boat and paddle or swim or kick or whatever they teach you in the whitewater. It's the same way for us. You know, get out, talk to these schools, talk to the underserved representative groups that you're talking about, the women and minorities. Find the kid that you think is doing a good job somewhere, introduce them Maybe they're working at a, you know, I've, I've used the, the uh, car wash analogy before. If I see a kid that really takes pride in what they're doing and they're hustling and they're working at the car wash, keeping my black truck, which I won't ever buy another black truck for a while. I had to remember why I bought a black truck. Um, but you see that kid working to keep your, your you know, truck or car or boat or whatever clean. Talk to those kids, you know, get out and, and extend the offer of, of saying, hey, are you aware about uh, these other alternatives where you can use what you've got in a in a deeper role in society? And it's, you know, I use the term hand to hand combat. You know, it's 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 fine one. And my, my one of my goofy hashtags is uh, 
you know, uh, learn one, teach one. So learn a skill and teach somebody else about it. And it doesn't have to be in a formal classroom setting. It could be over a conversation where you take a kid and buy a Subway sandwich and you talk about what they're going to do next. Or it, it's that vet, you know, that served eight years and not sure what they want to do now that they're getting out of the military. Yeah. It's just taking time to make time uh, to have these conversations and not get caught up in the, oh, there's nobody out there mentality. Because there are out there. You just got to find them. They are. They are. And, and, you know, it's like I tell people, it's it's one person. That's it. My goal is one person. I may talk to or I may touch over the course of this whole project. I may touch a million people, but I'm really, my goal is one. If I can change the outcome of one person, if I can get to one kid and get that person to where they're supposed to be, and not living a life of a job they hate, punching a clock or whatever, but actually get them in a profession or pointed in a direction where they really, truly enjoy it. That's it. That's good. I've I've met my goal. It's just about one person. If you get to that one person, then it's about the next one person. And that's the only way to get it done. And and Nick, that's so well said. And and you think about, you know, I'm big on thinking about compound knowledge and compounding relationships. And when you do that, you know, you reach that one person. Maybe it's a young lady that didn't know what she wanted to do because college wasn't her gig. And, you know, being a, a lady trying to weld, you know, is something, you, you know, fairly new to our society, but helping that person get to that goal. She is going to be lit up about doing that for somebody else as well. So you start compounding those relationships. And, you know, you and I see it on our LinkedIn stuff that the draw of showcasing these young folks of doing unique things, uh, you know, we're we're getting people to notice. And, and not you and I, but the industry at large are getting people to notice. We're helping but there's so many good people out there doing it. It's starting to get that little bit of a groundswell. And it's so exciting. Um, I, I mentioned this earlier in California, and I'm here for the Mechanical Service Contractors Association. It's MSCA. And it's the service, HVAC service contractor that are that are unionized. This is their annual meeting. And uh just in the last couple of days, being able to talk to some of these industry, you know, uh, leaders and, and larger companies and hearing some of the unique ways that they're reaching the community and attracting talent. And then I think equally important is retaining the talent that you're able to get. Because if you get a, a first year uh, apprentice or a helper, you really have to, and my buddy Eric Bowen at, at Service Logic, this is what he thinks about it a lot, of keeping them engaged throughout the process, not just getting them in the door. But how do you show a route? How do you show a starting wage, uh, you know, all the way through a journeyman wage and a successful career? You know, three, four years, whatever that's going to be, you have to give real good milestones so people feel progress, uh, both from an internal standpoint and, and then B, from a financial standpoint of keeping them earning as they're learning. Um, 
it's just really been fun this week hearing that. It's really interesting to me. Us, you know, you look at the leaders of companies right now, and they're guys our age, you know, and we we came up in in a time where our parents may have had one job yeah. their entire life. And we were basically taught, go in, get get that job, and, and, and you retire there. Or you have one or two jobs your entire life, and that's, that's what you do. And what's really interesting to me is the, the next generations don't think like we do. But we're not smart enough to understand that. So we approach our companies and our retention plans and all those things like we would approach it like we would want to be approached and you know these these next generations they don't think twice about staying at a job for a year and going to another and another and another they don't think twice about um changing their career on on just turning on a dime and and one day they're doing this and the next day they're doing that that it's it's not looked upon on their resume as a negative. It's it's actually almost looked upon as a positive because they're more rounded. They have different skills and different different things that they've done and different experiences. Um, I find, and I just my last blog that I wrote, I found it really interesting in in kind of doing the research on this. So there's two things going on right now. There's there's the great retirement and the great resignation. As I was going through and doing the research for this latest blog that I wrote about the great resignation and the great retirement, um, I found it incredibly interesting what's going on out there. First thing that's going on, and I don't remember the statistics right off the top of my head, but they're huge numbers, like 40 million people are retiring in the next three or four years. And those people are going to be really difficult to replace because those are the people that are in the upper, you know, management type situation. They're leading companies and and they're the experienced ones and they're the they're the field foremen and the superintendents and the CEOs and the presidents and that's going to be very difficult to uh to replace. On top of that, and I'm sure you've all heard the great resignation that's going on. And I never really fully understood that and that's why it kind of piqued my interest why all these people are resigning from their jobs? Where are they going? How are they paying their bills? What are they doing? Well, it turns out that they're doing a bunch of different things. Number one, which I got to be honest, still blows my mind. There is a generation out there that has figured out, we used to always call the millennials and and, and all of them, well, they're lazy because they don't work like us. You know, they don't want to come in and work 10 hours a day and seven days a week. They're not lazy. They're smarter than we are. They figured out that they can make a living at home on their couch doing doing well podcasts or YouTube videos or all these different things that us old guys can't even really quite comprehend what they are and how they make money at it. They also, to my point earlier, they're not afraid to change what they're doing. They went to college, they got that job and they went, wow, this is stupid. This sucks. I'm going to do something else. And they're resigning. And then the other piece of that is they're not just changing jobs, but there is a huge entrepreneurial wave going on. These people are saying, okay, I went to college. I got my education. 
I got some skills in the workplace. Now I'm going to go do it better myself. Hmm. And they're not driven like we were by the corner office and the corporate ladder and the titles and all of that. They're driven by, hey, I can work from home and spend more time with my family. I can walk my dog on the beach while I'm still working. I can I can have all of this flexibility. I don't need to have two cars because I don't go into the office. I don't need to have a 5,000 square foot house because, quite frankly, I don't really care what the next guy thinks, which is counterintuitive to everything we were taught. And it's... To my point, they're just way smarter than we are, quite honestly, because we bought into all that BS. No one's ever called my generation smart, I don't think. So that's, <laughs> well, there you go. That's really well, that's, first, that's really interesting and, and yeah, an interesting perspective because I've always thought that it was the um, the right of the previous generation to dunk on the upcoming, you know, the the upcoming generations. Um, because that's kind of how it's always felt. But that's that's a really interesting perspective, just that millennials looked at the way it's always been done and said, yeah, but what if it doesn't have to be that way? Um, I think it's a really interesting kind of perspective. And now that my generation is kind of coming of a certain age, you know, I'm in my, my mid-30s, firmly mid-30s now, um, you know, you we, we're starting to be business leaders or entrepreneurs or all of these different things. Um, and so it's, I don't know, that's, that's a really unique perspective that I, I really appreciate because I've never really heard too much outside of millennials just don't appreciate the same things that we appreciated and don't appreciate the, the hard work and don't appreciate the, the different things. But that I really do like that perspective. And it's just all how you use the term appreciate, yeah. right? They just, they, they don't appreciate the fact that we weren't, we were taught that the harder you work, the more hours you put in, the more successful you'll be. And financially, they're probably right. But you, your generation defines success differently than ours. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's absolutely right in that I think my generation might be the first one to come along in a little while that values maybe the experience of something over over a thing, you know, a tangible item. So like you mentioned, car, Absolutely. house, whatever it is. Um, I know more people who would rather, like you say, you know, be a one car household or, you know, share a car and that sort of thing. But they take a really great European vacation every year, you know, something, something like that. Uh, valuing that aspect of things a little bit more than maybe a, a material possession. Um, and and maybe what comes along with that? I, yeah, that's that's a really interesting perspective. You know, guys, I, I think that uh, what you were both describing really hit close to home for me. Uh, my wife has a good friend, and her daughter makes money doing TikTok videos. And I'm not talking about a little bit of money. I'm talking about this this young lady. She, I think she's you know thirty ish. She made $18,000 last week for doing one TikTok video for some uh, deodorant, women's deodorant. And I watched the video, uh, nothing extravagant about it. And, but this company, uh, you know, well-known Procter & Gamble based company or Procter & Gamble owned company paid her to do this. And, you know, it, it's all about what, you said it, Tyler. It's living differently. Uh, 
and measuring your success by what you think is successful, uh, not like what Nick was explaining, where you don't care what the corner office has to say or what color, you know, electric car your neighbor has. You're doing things your way. And I, I think that uh, we're seeing more and more of that come to light. Even, you know, there, there's a young lady in Texas that's a welder. She's a, a metal artist. And, you know, just seeing those kind of folks that are out there making a difference their way uh, is really cool to see. First of all, I love the break in the traditional role. But how do we harness that horsepower in making sure that we are filling the roles that we need to be filled, you know, for building stuff while we're engaged and, and, and hugging these people that are out doing it their own way. So I love it, man. It's, it's awesome. Well, and, and here's, what's kind of cool about it is, you know, you, you see these people that, that let's say they went to college and they decided, um, you know, they got that job and they said, well, you know what, I, I maybe made a mistake. I'm, I would be happier doing uh, finished carpentry or whatever. So they switch, they change because that's, that's what they do. And they, they resign their job and they go and they start doing finished carpentry. What I see from these people is they're going into it knowing better. They're going into it having gone down the wrong path figuring out their passion and saying, you know what, this is what I'm passionate about. I'm going to figure out how to make money to do it. And they're not just being craft or skilled tradespeople. They're becoming craftsmen. And you, if you recall in my book, there, there's a chapter in there that discusses the difference between trades and craftsmen. And it's a huge difference. And I think there was a time frame where we went into where trades became almost like assembly line manufacturing work just out in the world. And this turn to craftsmen in the trades is going to be beneficial for us long term. It's going to take a while. It's, it's not, you know, it's not going to necessarily be um, something that, uh, it, you know, unions aren't going to create craftsmen, so to speak. It's you, you got to be passionate. You got to be kind of on your own. A lot of them are going to be entrepreneurial craftsmen, but they're going to go out and and that finished carpenter is going to put together just absolute masterpieces of work and things like that. That's a shift that I see happening. And, and that's exciting to me because I really like the idea of craftsmen. You know, I think of back about, you know, 100 years ago when they were making furniture versus what furniture looks like now. I mean, it, it, there's no comparison. And I would love to see our trades um, embracing that craftsman experience more and more as we move forward. Now, me, uh, me too, Nick. I, I love the term craftsman. I love the term artisan because I think that, you know, if uh, someone wiring a electrical panel and electrical panel, that requires if you do it to what you and I envision that that craftsmanship to look like versus somebody that's on an assembly line you know throw it in and run away kind of a job the beauty that comes with with proper cable management is something that appeals to me um, so I really think that there's a there's always going to be the the C player, you know, who just does the work, pulls the cable, pulls the wire, runs the pipe, whatever. 
in a in a in a functional capacity. But then you're going to have these folks that that we all seek out because we love what they do is to be able to put that artisan's touch. They grind that weld out one more time and they make that pass, that last pass of that weld where it looks like somebody stacking freaking nickels up. You know, it's just such beautiful work. That's important to people. It's important to some people more than others because does it hold water and does it hold pressure is some people's benchmark of success. Does it hold water, hold pressure and look really good to where you hate to cover it up with insulation? That's the kind of people that really stimulate my brain. And, and I want to help those people get to the level they want to get to. I can't help a C plus player get to A if they don't want to, but I can get an A player and help them achieve A plus status in their brain by helping them along the way. So. Well, and those C players, they're, they're there to fulfill a task, right? They're there to get a paycheck and fulfill a task. It's the A players that pay it forward. It, it, and this is going to date me, but and most people will probably have to go Google this, but I think there was a, a movie years ago called Pay It Forward. And it was about basically if you can get to three people and change those three people's lives, then those three people go to three people and so on and so forth. It, it becomes this exponential growth of, of improvement and change as you move forward. And that's the way I look at this. If we can get, when I was talking about one person, if you can get to one, two or three people, that's all we have to get to as long as they're those A players that want to do the same thing. And it's those A players that will mentor the next person that will help teach the next person. A C player won't teach anybody. They're just there for themselves. Yeah. And, and think, think about it and the number of people that are out there in trades that are A players, if everybody would just understand that compounding number you just laid out there, we could make a dent in a hurry. Oh, yeah. Uh, and a hurry being a relative term, but we could definitely stem it. Uh, and, you know, I, I think about and then study Kaizen uh, a lot. I even have a Kaizen tattoo on my arm because I believe in that incremental, continuous improvement. You change, you you monitor, you tweak, you adjust, you 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 monitor, you change, you tweak, you adjust. That's how we're going to win this battle as well by listening to what you described earlier. You know, network TV and YouTube, not one or the other. You know, all those different things we have to consider. How are we reaching the potentials? How are the potentials wanting to be reached is a better question. Not what you and I in our 50s uh, think about how to reach them, but how do they want to be reached? Right. I'm just super excited by it, man. I, it, I, we're coming up on our time, too, and I don't want to get too too lost in it. I could talk about this stuff for eight hours straight, I bet you. Um, but I'm really interested in kind of uh, what's next for you. You know, you got the book out, you got the TV show, you're still, you know, promoting. What what does it look like, uh, you know, the next phase? Well, what we really want to do is um, we're, we're changing, and we talked about this earlier, we're changing our platform from a network TV platform 
to a YouTube platform because to what you just said, we're going to where the people are. You know, um, when you look at those next generations, they're not sitting at home watching TV, network television. They're watching uh, YouTube videos on their phones and their iPads and their computers. And that's where we need to be if we're going to get these episodes out in front of the kids. Because our target audience is that 16 to 28-year-old range. They're not watching TV. They're, right. they're on their phones and their iPads and stuff. So, so changing the immediate next thing for us is to get our programming over to that platform so that we can reach more people. And um, I think uh, once we get that done um, and we start seeing those, those additional people, we'll be able to, you know, it'll compound. We'll be able to get out and speak to more people. We'll be able to get out and see more people. It's just all about how many people can you touch, how quickly. Uh, and that's, that's, that's the only way we're going to do it is one person at a time. Right. Well, I, I so, feel so fortunate to have been able to meet you and, and learn about what you're doing and do whatever I can to help assist that message because it certainly is a parallel with, with my thinking and I want to want to help all I can. So hopefully we will get the word out a little bit more with this episode and, and get people looking. Uh, how can, how can we find you, Nick? How's the best way to go about for people to learn about you? The easiest thing to do is uh, our website, which is uh, working-class.org. So it's just working-class.org. So two cl- two dashes. Yep. And okay. uh, that, that will um, give you a link to the new YouTube channel that gives you access to the books, that gives you... Uh, kind of a, a rundown of what we're doing, where we're doing it, you know, how, what all we're doing. It also has a, a donations page for people. Um, it's kind of our central hub. Everything goes through there. That's where the blog is located at. And then we, you know, our, our main social media is actually LinkedIn because that's kind of the business Facebook of, wor- of the world, so to speak. Uh, right. we, we have a small presence on uh, Instagram and Facebook, but truth be told, LinkedIn is kind of the business side of of uh, of social media. So that's where our largest social footprint is. And just because I, I told you earlier, I'm old and I write stuff down. I got stuck on dash dash. So I want to reiterate that it's working dash dash class dot org. Did you say org? Yes, okay, O-R-G. cool. Well, I want to I want to definitely check it out. I haven't in a, in a little bit uh, been on online and looked at your at your uh, site. So we'll do that. Uh, try to get some information out on my LinkedIn about it as well, where we could share the share the love, so to speak. But um, really do appreciate you taking time today with us, Nick. It's uh, it's always fun to talk to like minded people that are out there swinging the machete, as I said earlier, and trying to figure out you know, what, what the new path is because you have to continuously look for new ways to reach people. Uh, it's a great time to be able to do that with all of our technology. And, you know, sometimes we have too much tech, you know, we, how, how do we narrow this down to a specific and, and you have done so with your uh, LinkedIn and your, your YouTube. So look forward to uh, learning more. Look forward to staying engaged and, and seeing uh, the groundswell continue to rise and uh, have some fun with this thing. 
Well, I appreciate uh, all your help. I appreciate your interest and uh, everything that uh, that you've been doing. I uh, appreciate what you're doing on your end. And it takes, you know, it takes a whole bunch of us doing the same thing over and over. And uh, we'll make a dent. We'll, we'll, we'll get there eventually. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you.